0: been lit boy everything goes
1: we now return you to regular programming all
2: right guys welcome back today on the phone we have joining us former fullback john Kuhn. john how are you doing today
1: man i'm doing fantastic it's a beautiful day in wisconsin can't complain the weather's nice Got a little golf in this early afternoon and (laughs) now I get to jump on with you guys chat a little football.
0: That is awesome. How has everything been out there uh, with the COVID and everything?
1: You know, it's it's a weird time. Uh, Wisconsin, we're a little blessed. We're in our own kind of little bubble out here, although we're not immune to it. We still have our outbreaks, so we're still masking up, taking the proper precautions, keeping safe distances, no large gatherings, stuff like that. But everybody seems to be in good spirits, trying to handle it the best that they can. We know that You know we're all in this together, and it takes a a full team effort.
2: That's good, man. What have you been doing with your downtime? I heard you say you're playing golf, but anything else?
1: Uh, well, I I just got a new boat this year, so oh, there you go. Yeah, I got two little girls, so I like to get them out on the water on the weekends if I can, and uh, if the weather if the weather cooperates, which it has, it's been a great summer. And then uh, and then during the week, it's just uh, it's playing a little bit of golf, and now that training camp started, it's trying to catch my Packers anytime I can get over there to practice and. And get a little uh, tidbit on on who's uh, who's shining. That's awesome there. hear.
0: What do you think so far about the practices? I mean, I just happened to open up the injury report list today, and it seems like the injury bug is hitting everybody. Now, do you think that has to deal with the no off season? I mean, basically there was no no real camps yet.
1: Yeah, I think I think it definitely plays a part. Uh, that nine weeks, although. Everybody says it's not what it used to be. Those nine weeks are very important The nine weeks from mid-April to mid-June where teams can come in, work their guys out, find out what kind of shape they're in from the season before, try and build them back up. They usually take it pretty easy then. It's a ramp-up period, and then they know. The guys know, hey, we got six weeks off from the end of this off-season program to when training camp starts. That's when the guys can hit it a little bit harder, and you can come back into training camp and kind of pepper them back into where they were when they left uh, previously. This yeah. is this is strange, man. It this is strange because training camps have been bumped back. They uh, they had a ramp-up period here in training camp, but you can't simulate the nine weeks that you already missed, yeah. and you can't simulate preseason games in practice. So it's going to be a tough task, tough challenge for all these teams to try and navigate how much do we push these guys so that they're ready to go full bore in the games when game time comes, and yet don't push them so far yeah. that we do get the that we do get the injuries here in training camp? Yeah. Now, we,
2: John. Now, John. How hard you see how MLB has handled the COVID? You see how NBA, obviously, football you cannot bubble with. I mean, I think it's just it'd be very hard. How tough do you think it is going to be to have a season, or and do you even think there will be a season? I mean, a lot of colleges have closed, uh, and so on.
1: Well, I see. I, I think the NFL has had the luxury of seeing the way that baseball is doing it. And mm-hmm. baseball has had a couple of hiccups. But if you know, baseball travels a lot more than the NFL does. And when they travel, they stay for longer periods of time in the cities that they're traveling to baseball or football's in and out. They come in on a Saturday morning. They, they, they leave on a Sunday evening after the game. So they're there one night. Um, That's true. And then there's gonna, and then I've heard there's gonna be some teams, especially on the East Coast, like the New York, Philly, Washington area, they're gonna travel by day. They're gonna they're gonna take uh, buses down to these games, and they're gonna they're gonna try and do it that way. So I think you can kind of have a bubble in the NFL, albeit not the bubble that you've seen in hockey, not the bubble that you've seen in the MLS, or not the bubble that you've seen in the NBA. Yeah. You kind of have a bubble in your own city. It's gonna take a lot of responsibility by the players to to be responsible on their own.
2: And that's the key the thing owners. is the responsibility oh, yeah. of the players.
1: A lot of the onus is going to be on these players to, to take ownership and kind of, you know, just mitigate themselves from, from going out there and getting it. And I think the star players, the star players recognize that. I think the star players will lead by example. Yes. I think the NFL, you know, is going to be able to learn from major league baseball with the kind of outbreaks that they had that you've seen between the uh, St. Louis Cardinals with the Florida Marlins, but even in the Marlins case, they were able to take a couple weeks off, get their guys negative again, keep the guys that were positive away, bring up some guys from their farm system, and come back and play some good baseball.
0: Now, what I do you think, what, go ahead. what do you think, John, what would happen? Like, like, like the Cardinals and the Marlins, they had big outbreaks like that. What would, what would happen, do you think, like if Kansas City had that and Mahomes went down or, uh, you know, a Tom Brady and three of the big stars on that team went down? Do you think they would give them the luxury of making those games up later on down the road?
1: That I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work if the team doesn't have a player for a certain game, especially a star player. But I think the star players are going to be treated like Ferraris here once the season. Comes out. <laughs> yeah. they're, going to come, they're going to come out of the garage very rarely. It's going to have to be perfect conditions, and they're going to have to make sure there's there's no nobody or nothing to, to interfere with their drive when these Ferraris come out of the garages. I, I see a guy like Patrick Mahomes, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a guy like Tom Brady. They're not going to let COVID interfere with their title chances, with their success this football season.
0: Yeah. Now, now, what do you think of the Packers this year? There's a lot of rumors that this could be Rodgers' last year. And, and you know what? I don't understand it. Everyone's saying that he looks like he's getting older, he's washed up. I don't see it. I think he still has a lot of, a lot of years ahead of him. I think he's a great quarterback, one of the best. You've been around him. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it, it, you listen, anybody who sees him in person will ad, adamantly admit he is not washed up. If he's lost a step, it's just that. It's a step. He hasn't lost uh, a mile per hour on his throw. He has not lost any accuracy. This guy is still top five quarterback in the National Football League. I think this chip on his shoulder this year, we're trying to prove some of the naysayers wrong, possibly trying to prove he's an organization wrong with drafting. A backup quarterback behind him. Mm-hmm. I see him being very motivated this year. I see Aaron Rodgers being very scary to a lot of teams. Oh my god, I mean, you yeah. too.
0: I'm a I Cowboys fan. I'm afraid of him. I mean, <laughs> he broke our hearts a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and that's just the thing with Aaron. He, he can do that. He can do that at any point in time. Now the offense is in a state of transition here. Uh second year under Matt LaFleur, looking to run the ball a lot more. Uh definitely with the draft pick of AJ Dillon. Now they have a three headed monster in the backfield. So I see versatility being a good friend to Aaron Rodgers. I see a lot of play action passes and he still has Devontae Adams. I, I think Aaron's gonna have a killer year this year.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And like you said, he has that chip on his shoulder. And my thing is is what does he have to prove? I mean they won thirteen games last year. I mean, they had a great season and then they draft another quarterback and all of a sudden like the media spins it like Straight this it could be this could be his his last year. I just I don't Well know. there was
1: there was many years for Aaron Rodgers where he had a top ten offense and not a top ten defense, and the team had underperformed. Whether that was a 10 and 6 record mm-hmm. and an early exit from the playoffs, or whether that was the last two years under Mike McCarthy when they had when they were riddled by injuries and did not make the playoffs, that those those kind of go against the quarterback. Those those go against the guys who sign these big contracts. But quite frankly, if you really watch the game, if you see the game. It's not because of Aaron Rodgers. I think only people close to the game, really people that play him, probably some of the teams in the division, they really understand what Aaron can do. And it's still uh, a very dangerous man in a very dangerous position.
2: Absolutely. Now, now, John, you were a great fullback in this league. I just got to say that real quick. Um, Thank you. But in the NFL, why do you think we're seeing less fullbacks in this game? Do you think the game is just developing into more of a passing league where you're not really seeing a lot of heavy runners? I think there's only 14
0: fullbacks right now that have multi-year contracts in the NFL.
1: Yeah, there's a couple things at play there. Number one, I do think that the rules of the NFL, um, protecting the wide receivers, protecting the quarterbacks, do lean towards throwing the football more and, uh, and take away a little bit from what the value that the fullback has as a lead blocker. Um, the second thing is I wouldn't necessarily say the multi-year thing is, is a big deal for the fullbacks because fullbacks in general, haven't had big contracts, haven't had long contracts. I myself, I played 10 one year contracts out over my 13 years. Oh, the NFL, wow. so I, yeah. So I don't look at multi-contract uh, or multi-year contracts as being a big definition for who's in on the fullback. I just think teams try and find one. That's good. If you find one that's really good, then yeah, you got to lock them down like a juice check or uh, or somebody like that you, you definitely have to lock yeah. down aside from that teams feel like they can have a plug and play guy. They can use a tight end. They can use an H back type and, and some teams have flirted with that in the end though. I think you look at some of the teams that run the ball very well. You look at the Patriots the last few years with Pat Devlin, you look at Kansas mm-hmm. city, even with uh, Sherman out there. And then uh, once again, I, I got to go back to the 49ers because their run offense is incredible. Is. What they do with juice check is, is, is great. I, I see it making a comeback, not back to the glory days where you had All-Star, Lorenzo Neal, and all those guys leading the way. But I think it's going to make a comeback to where the fullback is still a viable option in a lot of teams.
0: Well, you know what? The two teams that used the fullbacks the most last year was New England and the 49ers, and they were undefeated for like the, what, the first six, seven weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But
0: to me, it's a very important position because you guys not only protect the quarterback, you open up holes, and plus you go out and you make, you make big
1: plays down the field. Well, the, the fullback, as the position is kind of transitioned, the player has had to transition. So if you look at a juice check or you look at some of these other guys, they're not the big battering ram type fullbacks that you've seen in the past. Some of the best fullbacks around the league right now are guys that are versatile, can catch balls out of the backfield, mm-hmm. can play third down back, um, can play special teams. They can do a whole wide variety of things. That's the kind of fullback that's going to make a comeback in the NFL. Wow.
2: Now, was that ever scary, playing? You said 10 one-year contracts. Is that ever a scary thing almost every year, thinking, I got to give this my all, I might not get another contract? I mean, you should always Shoot. play with that mentality, but...
1: Are you kidding me? You talk about it. You you should play with that mentality. As a fullback, you have to play with that mentality. I I look back and I I guess I'm thankful that I had 10 one-year contracts because it kept me each year on the on the brink of extinction. So yeah, I had wow. to come out and do something special just in order to get that next contract.
0: Yeah. John, what was it like having a whole stadium yell your last name? <laughs>
1: It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I I can't imagine there's a whole lot of fullbacks uh, <laughs> when they're done, when it's all said and done, can say that they were a fan favorite. But the Packer fans were great, and and they traveled very well, and uh, they supported me tremendously. I, I'm super thankful for it.
2: Now I'm a, I'm a big Saints fan, so I got to I got to watch you for a little bit there. But I mean, you think about the quarterbacks that you personally got to play under Drew Brees Aaron Rodgers.
1: you know you hear about you, I mean, you hear about the
2: worth work ethic that these guys put in. I mean, as a player, did you truly see that on the field how hard they work day in and out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're all a little bit different. You know, you, you talk about Big Ben and and he kind of relied on his size and, and being able to ad-lib the play uh, early on in his career, especially when I played with him. And then Brett Favre, I mean, he was just the gunslinger. He could just throw it all around and he knew the game at, at that point in time when I played with him better than anybody else. So he would make checks and keys that nobody was ready for and he'd make the most daring throws that anybody could imagine. Aaron Rodgers, to me, he's he's just the true assassin. He, he can throw any pass in the NFL, but he's he's so meticulous with the ball. He's so careful with the ball. He doesn't ever turn it over. And that, to me, is what what separates him from some of these other guys. You've seen Pat, Patrick Mahomes do it a little bit the mm-hmm. last few years. The ability to throw a lot of touchdowns, make a lot of big plays, but not make negative plays. And that always keeps their teams in the ball game. And then Drew Brees, nobody's, nobody ever – Ever in my life have I seen anybody prepare like Drew Brees, um, the way he mentally gets ready for a football game, the way he physically gets ready for a football game. It's it's a real good treat um, to, to get to watch him go through the course of the week and prepare um, day in and day out because he is in his 40s now. Now, Aaron, when he reaches his 40s, which which isn't too far away. Yeah, um, I, I I assume he's going to do the same thing. I've already seen him kind of change his diet, kind of change his physical routine with uh with a lot of yoga and a lot of different uh pilates different strength trainings that that are um specific to the position of playing quarterback so i expect him to play for quite some time that's awesome now
0: you you played you just said Favre and then aaron Rodgers. how how was it you know you had the block for them when they had a broken play where they scrambled around a lot is there some kind of a a thing a key word something somebody yells that you know that the play is still going on
1: well, in Green Bay, the times the, the nine years that I was there, they we have always worked over. It's called scramble scramble rules. So when the quarterback breaks the pocket, when a play breaks down, you everybody has a certain set of rules on how to go about the route, how to change their route, and how to move about their route. And and because we practiced it so much in practice, when you got into a game, it was no thing. Everybody knew exactly where to go, how to keep spacing from one another, because. You watch some of these other teams, you can tell they don't do it. You can tell they mm-hmm. don't practice it. So when a play breaks down, you'll watch two receivers run into the same space. That brings multiple cornerbacks, multiple defensive backs into the same space, and it wrecks the ability for the quarterback to be able to make the throw. In Green Bay, that wasn't the case. They've always had some really good receivers there with two super talented quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's, it's just its kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. It was easy. <laughs>
2: Now, John, I appreciate the information you're giving us. By the way, you're just spitting us with facts right now. It's amazing—an educational learning period here um, for us. Since you played in the NFL, you have the Rock, who who puts in money into the XFL. We've asked a lot of people this question: uh, Do you think it's a good idea to have a league like the XFL, especially with college right now and the coronavirus? and They might not even play. It's almost like a minor league filter for the NFL.
1: Yeah. I do. I, I think it's important. I, I think it could work. I don't think it's going to be anything to the to the level of what they've tried to make it be with the AAF and mm-hmm. and uh, and, the, and the previous XFLs. I don't think it's a nationally televised game, just like AAA base, baseball and and the D League basketball. They're not nationally televised games. Good
0: example, good the example. The
1: problem is, the problem is with football. Guys put themselves at such risk physically that they demand higher salaries to make it worthwhile to play. Well, if you're going to demand those higher salaries, people need to sell it to TV so they can get the revenue to be able to pay these players. There is there is a really fine line for what you're able to accomplish at kind of a minor league football level, and I'm just not sure they've mastered that yet. Can they? Should they? Yes. Have they They've been able to do it not not sustainably because
0: the thing that's going to hurt is like they're saying everyone they want to go to spring football but if you're if you're a trevor lawrence or you're someone that's going to probably go drafted in the first two rounds you're, you're risking injury before the draft so there's going to probably be a lot of guys that aren't gonna not gonna play they're just gonna sit out
1: my problems with spring football is just this if you're projected to be a top four round draft pick you're going to sit out right you're not mm-hmm. going to do it you're going to train for the draft and you're probably already starting training because you're not going to play a football season this year so why not start now if you're a guy like uh uh who is that in ohio state his name's slipping me right now Oh, it's justin fields, fields justin fields if you're justin fields you should leave to go be with the best quarterback coach that you can find right now and take six months of training before you have a pro day or a combine come february yeah, so that's, that, true. that's that's what the first four rounds guys are going to do the guys who are projected to be back end guys they're seniors already anyways so they're not going to play their senior year in the spring and risk injury right before the draft and like that. so they're going to train too and then you talk about underclassmen that have a chance to play football um, at the next level. Now you're asking them to possibly play upwards of 20 games in one Mm -hmm. calendar season, the 2021 season. I don't see that as being uh, responsible. I don't see that as being safe for those players. I don't see how you can possibly ask them to do that. To me, spring football is not going to work at this point in time. I don't believe so either.
0: Well, Kurt Herb, she was on Pat McAfee today, and he said that, these other these other uh, divisions, it's just a matter of time before they end up canceling as well. I guess uh, Clemson had like 40 total cases of coronavirus. Alabama opened up their school, I guess, over the, I guess this week, and they said there's a, a boatload of kids that are walking around, no masks on. They're expecting the numbers to go back up again on these campuses to the point where they're going to probably end up closing them down again.
1: Yeah, but if they close the school down, do they have to close down the athletic department? If you look at North Carolina, That's true. just yesterday they said they are not going to have – in-person face-to-face classes but they're still going to allow athletics yeah. a lot of people were in uproar about that they think ah, oh, that's putting athletics above um the, the scholar athlete or the scholar uh, students but to me that's not the case you have a lot more kids walking around campus, not getting tested, not being safe. Mm-hmm. These kids in these top-notch Division One programs, they're being watched carefully. They're being monitored carefully. They're getting multiple tests a week. And they are, and they have the ability to stay, safe, stay in a little bit of a bubble. So I see a lot more colleges possibly following the route of North Carolina as we move forward. That's true. I didn't even think about it like that. That's a good point.
0: Now, you played in Green Bay. What is it like playing in Green Bay in December?
1: Oh, man. Hmm. Well, it <laughs> – it's very, very cold. Now, here's the catch. It's very cold, but when the fans come in, they warm the stadium up quite a bit. This year is going to be the coldest year anybody's ever played at Lambeau Field because there's going to be no fans in there to warm the stadium up. Players That's are going to crazy. have to keep themselves where the only thing to warm them up are the little heaters on the sideline. It's not going to be enough. Lambeau wow. Field is going to be frigid this year.
0: Now, now, what did you prefer playing on? Grass? Turf? I mean, because you, if you look at what's going on now, you see a lot of these guys that are getting injured playing on turf. A lot in of studies practice. going into that, too. You played on both. So what did you prefer?
1: Yeah, I'm a grass guy. Put me on the grass. I want to get tackled on the grass. I mean, I grew up playing football on the grass in the backyard, tackle football, no pads on just me, my cousins, my friends. That's the way football was meant to be played. That's that's I I firmly believe. And I think the studies kind of contradict this, but I do think that when you play on grass, um, it's safer. It just feels better, too. I mean, I. Again, the studies are what they are. Uh I don't think it points either way. I mean, you can get an injury. Remember Jordy Torres' ACL on the natural grass of Pittsburgh in a preseason game on a non-contact play. So injuries happen anywhere. Uh, However, just give me grass. It it makes makes football. That's what makes it.
0: Absolutely. Not the best facility you've ever played in, and the worst facility you've ever played in.
1: Oh, it's tough. Um, New stadiums, like uh, Minnesota's new stadium, Atlanta's new stadium, they, those stadiums are fantastic. They do a tremendous job. Um, the, the the best environment is New Orleans by far. New oh, Orleans, yeah. especially especially when they're rocking, they got 80,000 fans. They turn the lights off before the game. They come out. You got flamethrowers You got people just going nuts. <laughs> Nobody knows how to party like the Big Easy, baby. It's it's probably the coolest atmosphere ever. Now, the worst stadium ever to play in. Oh, that's easy. That's the old Metrodome. That that's that. There's a reason why Minnesota needed a new stadium. That place was just dumb. <laughs> it was the the lock rooms were awful. The field was awful. Uh, you couldn't hear the fans. I think they pumped fake crowd noise into that. That was a, a terrible place
2: to oh, play. Oh wow! Look at that inside scoop. Now, John, one of my last questions here for you is, you know, as a fullback, typically you guys are built pretty big. But what's it what's it like trying to go out there and block like an Aaron Donald, a Cam Jordan, you know, a Von Miller was almost 300 pounds, you know, six foot four. And you got to go up head first against somebody like that.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's where the scheme comes into play, right? Because we're not meant to block them every single play. We do have to block them sometimes. I mean, more times than not, we're on an inside linebacker or a strong safety, somebody that's of the same body type as us, and, and we have a much better chance. Now, you talk about when we do have to block those guys on an edge or sometimes up the middle. That's because the blocking scheme is designed for like a three-step drop or it's designed as a misdirection or it's designed as a wham block. You kind of catch a three-technique offside. So the scheme of the play, and you hope the linemen don't give it away, <laughs> which a lot of times they do with their stance, but uh, the scheme of the play is, is what allows you to be able to block those guys.
0: Dang. Now, John, when you were with the, with the Packers, you played in the great division. It seemed like everybody you played in that division is a rivalry division, you know, I, I, I Minnesota, the Bears. What was your team that you always circled? and said, I can't wait to play this team? Because it was like it was like one of those games. It was like the Eagles, Cowboys, kind of a big rivalry.
1: Well, you said it. it, it the time I was in Green Bay, it, it was really the Bears either game, the Vikings either game, the Lions only in Detroit because we never lost to them at home. Um, but then. <laughs> I would always circle the 49ers. Those those great matchups with that defense, with Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. I'd always circle the matchups with um, the Seahawks with that great defense out there, with Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, and the Legion of Boom. Yeah. Those were always the games that we were looking forward to play because those those cross conference, the, the 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 division rivals, that that that's never going to change. If one team's having a down year, the other team's having an up year. They're always going to be hyped the big ones we wanted were the ones versus ones. We wanted the big time mm-hmm. teams cross conference so that we could really see what we had. Yeah. Now when
0: you when you when you sign up with with a team like the the Packers, I mean, do you automatically jump into that mindset that hate the Bears?
1: No, I mean, that's something that you learn over time. <laughs> the Packers the Packers did a good job though, and our coaching staff did a good job of letting everybody know what that robbery meant when we got there. I mean, you don't know what it is. I mean, heck, I, I grew up on the East Coast. I I knew nothing about the Midwest. I didn't even know really where Green Bay was. I knew it was in Wisconsin. Didn't really know Green Bay was an actual bay until I got here.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, because you I went learn to a lot, lot, you learn a lot. You went to Shippensburg, right? Because we're we're right out here. What?
0: We're not far from Shippensburg.
2: No, we we live in. It's called Whitehall. Whitehall,
0: Whitehall Pennsylvania. Uh,
2: but we're like maybe okay. we're not too far at all from it so i thought that was pretty cool hearing that you went to shippensburg
1: yeah i don't know where whitehall is but yeah so so you know i mean shippensburg it's probably no different than whitehall they're they, the only people in that town are the people that go to the school there yeah so <laughs> yeah. I get out here to the midwest i, I know nothing about uh the packers i knew nothing about the nfc north so it, you learn it very fast though and, and You learn it by playing the games, and you learn it by the passion of your teammates.
0: Now, I have two more quick questions for you, John. One is, what was the experience like going to the Super Bowl? You've done it twice. And what's Mike McCarthy going to bring to the Cowboys?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, the the, the Super Bowl is everything it's made up to be and then more. Uh, You you talk about you spend a whole week at the game, and it goes by faster than— you know just a normal game weekend it flies by you're you're locked in um the practices are crisp and and you're, you're meeting all times and, and when you're not doing that you got media obligations so mm. it's one of the coolest experiences i've ever been through and and quite frankly other than having my kids and getting married to my wife those are the two biggest days of my life <laughs> yeah. uh what is mike mccarthy going to bring i think he's going to bring a lot of experience like a lot of winning experience he understands what it takes to win the big game meaning he understands If you don't win a game on Sunday, Sunday's just for fun. You win a game Monday through Saturday, and your preparation, how you get ready for these teams? He's seen what preparation it takes to to get to the big game and to win the big game. I think that's something Dallas has lacked for a long time. Everybody knows they're super talented, Mm -hmm. very talented football team, especially on the offensive side. Can he give them that edge? Can he, can he take them over the hump? I, I think he can. I think they're going to be a tough team this year.
2: I think so too.
0: Well, you you you're still involved with the NFL. I mean, you still have a lot of connections, and there's been a lot of moves this year. Who's your favorite on the NFC side of the of the coin this year?
1: Well, it's tough. It, as you look at the NFC side, I, I, I look at the NFC South, and I, I think the Saints are still there, but the Bucks. Does Tom Brady still have it? Is last year kind of a, a, a blip year for him is he going to come back better than ever because if so then tampa's running right the next mm-hmm. you look out west there and i still like san francisco and i still like seattle with russell wilson oh yeah you look at the east i like the dallas cowboys you look at the north i like the Green Bay Packers. i mean those those are my six teams the seven get into the playoffs so go ahead and say minnesota gets in go ahead and say the rams get in or go ahead and say the eagles get in but it doesn't really matter i mean they're they, it's a six-team race. I don't care what anybody says. You can yeah. say the 49ers have an edge. I just don't I, I don't believe so. If you think about it, they were one yard away from being the five-seed last year. If they're five-seed, I don't think they make the Super Bowl.
0: My hot take was actually I think Arizona's going to win that division over there. Oh, with all the weapons they got this year.
1: <laughs> That's a super hot take. <laughs>
0: all right, John, we want to say thank you so much thank for you very uh, just much. joining us tonight
2: and uh, just giving us a very educational podcast today.
1: No problem. Thanks, guys. Hey, Thanks we hope you
2: stay safe, man. That was John Kuhn three times uh, Pro Bowl, two times Super Bowl winner? Try to say that five times fast. That was a mouthful, but that was amazing. That was good. Very, he was very specific
0: with the oh, yeah. things that he talked about. It was very intriguing. It's cool that you know, even though that you retired, you still have connections with the football. You can he can go up to uh, Green Bay probably anytime he wants and just walk right in there. Oh
2: yeah, you could tell he's still a huge Green Bay fan because that's yeah. all he wanted to talk about. It was pretty cool though.
0: Yeah but you know what he's played with some of the best quarterbacks ever Roethlisberger, Favre, Rodgers and Breeze I mean all f- all famous future so and everybody, it was a big podcast. And everybody
2: that we've uh, that we've had on Rob Ryan uh, him uh,
0: just but I talk about Drew Brees, man. It's always good news. I know it makes your day, but that's why I threw in what would the Mike McCarthy do for the Cowboys? That was because cool I, too. I, I think I think Mike McCarthy, what he's going to bring. I mean, you, you see, there's a lot of changes already down there. I mean, for one, you have Dak Prescott and all the quarterbacks in red jerseys. They never wore red jerseys before, and I just think that uh, Super Bowl champs coming, 2020. Yeah, that, was, I mean, that had to be awesome. That had, oh, to, be that had awesome. to be awesome. Pack, especially pack especially pack if you crowd. got, a,
2: especially you got a, like a handoff and got a first hour yeah. touchdown. Yeah,
0: but he was very athletic. Great, great, great. I think he had nineteen Holy
2: touchdowns way. and like nine receiving touchdowns. I had the stats up, I just put it away. Yeah. it was pretty cool. Well,
0: that's all I got for tonight.
2: Flyers. Flyers won again. We'll oh. get this up uh we'll get this up really fast for you guys. Um uh, Check it out. We are hit. We are getting a lot of followers right now on Instagram, Twitter. We hit 1,000 people,
1: baby. Let's go. Yes, we
2: did. Uh, We're thankful for everybody who's been supporting. Uh, We love you guys. Continue to share the love. Uh, This will be up on all platforms. And we hope you guys stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.